0: I just wa- I just want to stress that again. This is just a component of addiction, but it's a sh- it's a big component. It's yeah. Component. Yeah. It's a big component. There's more than
1: just than just that, but it's super interesting. Especially you know, I consider most my... people just say, oh, they're just a drug addict. Fuck them. Well, yeah. It's like, oh damn, I can't understand why well, there's so many homeless people and my crime is high. And... Uh, you know, it's really they're... really what it was is it was Billy Holiday's fault. If, a nice solid guy like Harry Your Harry Ass <laughs> Asslinger. Clean up the
2: streets. <laughs> well, on that <laughs> note, I hope you all don't get addicted
0: to the Trilateral Troika. <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make that the intro.
2: Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve, Slanchy. and Ryan. Back to the seltzers. And Zatsu.
1: <laughs> Slauncha, I, you, asshole.
2: <laughs> I, I noticed that that truly now has a lemonade so I got um, a 12 pack of that because it was on sale yes. it's it's not the
1: greatest though I'm not gonna lie it's
2: it's not as good as the bud lemonade but I kind of yeah. feel like the bud lemonade has too much of the the lemon syrup or whatever in it
1: it's not yeah. as good as Mike hard lemonade let me tell you that's the original
2: That stuff's wicked good. (laughs) Mike Cod. Did
0: you say Mike Cod? Like, is that a fisherman? (laughs)
2: Local
0: fisherman, Mike Cod. (laughs) Nominally determinative.
2: Massachusetts fisherman, Mike Cod. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh,
0: I've gotten two letters from the IRS this year. And both times, I was scared shitless.
1: How about I say, that's two more than I've ever gotten.
0: One was to let me know I should have gotten money from the stimuluses, which I already got, stimuli, whatever, Uh and the other one was to say, we received your tax refund. (laughs) Like, not refund, but we received your tax
1: return, rather. Shit, I need to do that still.
0: But it's funny, because I got that USPS thing where it comes up and gives me, like, an email digest of all the mail I'm getting, Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. I'll, like see it, and it just says Eternal Internal Revenue Service, and I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do? Oh, here we go. <laughs> what did I do?
1: And see, that's when you know it's legit, is when they mail something to you, because that's how the IRS yeah. communicates. When they, when I've got the phone calls, they're like, uh, hi, yeah, this is uh, so-and-so from the IRS, I'm like, yeah,
0: shit, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> sure usually, <you> are. <laughs> Well, I just play, I have a button on my iPhone that I play, it's a canned response that just said, um, there's nothing in the, uh in the Bible that's uh, specifically says I can't evade my taxes. So
1: So now has a thing where like, it'll tell me like my phone will ring, but it'll tell me, Hey, spam risk. So as I, every single time I'll still answer it, but I answer it saying Gainesville abortion clinic, you make it, we scrape it. No fetus oh. can beat us. And oh, dog, no. I have never gotten them to respond to that. I have heard an audible click every single fucking time. Well, yeah, <laughs> I the guy I
0: usually, who the guy who originally came up with that joke would hang up on you for saying that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I, I usually don't answer them because apparently some of them are just sort of testing to see if the line still works. Really. Yeah, yeah, they'll call and they'll market
0: a good number, and then they'll cycle it into a different list where they'll have the heavy hitters call up. Oh. You should sign up for the do not call list, by the way. It does work for like ninety percent of the calls that you get. It will work, except for the Spanish lotteries and the and the actual scams. <laughs> It'll work because they get they can get hit with like I think it's I think it's fifteen grand per incident. So they don't really? fuck around with those do not call lists. I was scrubbing lists for that back in two thousand four. So.
1: I gotta look up how to get myself on the Do Not Call list because I'm about tired of hearing. Do not we're call. Gov. To contact the owner of the vehicle about the vehicle's extended warranty. Oh my god! You don't even know what the vehicle is. You just say in the vehicle, like. Yeah,
0: it's Do Not Call. Gov, and it, it takes t- it takes literally like three minutes to register, and you're done.
1: If you think I'm not going to do that while this microphone is on mute? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking just, of mute, Steve, what are we talking about today?
2: <laughs> today we're going to start our our. Part one of our our series on Billie Holiday.
0: Nice. I love All right. Billie Holiday. She's a strange uh, fruit.
2: Yes. Tomorrow's uh, supposed which, to be a good one. Which will end our episode today is when she sings um, strange fruit, which is actually a pretty big deal. Um, Billie, Billie Holiday herself, you know, she's a jazz era musician. Um, she She's sort of considering those lines of like, of, of great Female vocalist, mm-hmm. um, sort of in the in the realm of like a Josephine Baker, but yeah. probably not as popular um, because uh, Billie Holiday never got a, a castle in France, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that, which we'll go into. Aww. Um she deserves a castle in France, especially on the um, the part two of this, where we'll go into. Um, if if you've noticed, there's a, a Hulu movie called Billie Holiday. Um, versus the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of this has to do with the legal problems that Billie Holiday had later on in her life dealing with the Bureau of Narcotics. Oh, okay. um, because Billie Holiday, due to um, a, a lot of misfortune in her life, which we'll actually address in this episode, um, she suffered through a lifetime of substance abuse, um, and that made her a target... Um, for the Federal Bureau of Narcotics which was run by a very racist um, crusader against um, drugs um, the, when we talk about him in the second episode he's pretty much the reason why marijuana is illegal in the United States
1: um, who are rapidly anti-drug or racist too? oh like, man he, that diagram is a perfect circle isn't it
2: he, like <laughs> it probably would have been made illegal but he pushed for it for a number of reasons which we'll talk about um, but but a lot of it boils down to racism and a lot of his propaganda was boiled in racism that we can't
0: have weed with that hot house music lady <laughs> yes. day is going <laughs> to lady day's having all the white people commit crime if you
2: They're down you, there smoking you joke, Steve, the jazz but his lettuce. like his his propaganda was pretty much which which will I'll read some of it in the next episode but it was pretty much like It's like, our children are listening to this jazz music, and they're smoking the jazz cigarette. And from that, interracial mixing. And from that, pregnancy. We've got miscegenation going on down there. Every time they
0: hit the minor thirds on those chords. (laughs) If you just switch them back up to the major key, you'll be okay. But if you switch that to the minor third, you go to subdominant sevenths. It's not good. They have bewitched... Turned into the music. Theory the youth podcast. of
2: our nation, with their music, their devil's music, which bewitches them, and they cannot fight against the jazz cigarette. <laughs> well,
1: this, is, this is perfect because before this episode, and I didn't, I didn't obviously know that we were talking about this, but I partook in some of the devil's lettuce, and I'm currently as stoned as Mount Rushmore. So uh, let's get into this, so I can laugh at this. Bro,
0: fucking clown. I'll tell you what: I moved <laughs> from New Jersey ten years ago, and in that time, two things have happened in New Jersey. Number one, well, many things have happened in New Jersey, but two specific things. Number one, it's legal to sports gamble, and number two, not surprised that that's, legal, that that's
1: legal in Jersey. There's the legal weed.
0: There's legal weed now. is it, yeah, goddamn. Meanwhile, right I'm down here with fucking uh, Ron the Con, trying to trade like you know my 401k for a fucking vaccine shot. <laughs> oh,
2: don't don't worry. Um, I'm I'm very familiar with his efforts to like destroy the state pension plan and put us all in four oh one Ks, but <laughs> Steve, what you wanna do
1: He's continuing is... Rick Scott's legacy. That's all he's doing, guys. Relax. It
0: pretty yeah. much. See right, what you wanna do, Steve, is you wanna rent out a timeshare in a rich zip code in Florida and you're gonna get a shot. Like Guaranteed.
1: That. Guaranteed. Get it a public. No problem.
0: Hi. Ah, yes, I'd like a chicken
2: tender sub and a COVID shot. It's not a joke. I thought, I thought you were going to say the thing that, like, the way to lift yourself out of poverty is to stop buying avocado toast and <laughs> buy property instead. Because the two are, are exactly the same. Dude, you're just, look,
0: the drug cartels are becoming the avocado cartels, Steve. They are.
1: I mean, with the price it's, of avocados, I'm not surprised.
0: They really are, actually. I'm, I'm like... They, they really are. They're switching to, like, avocados, and there's been some, like, murders over it. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a big thing. So anyway, I just want oh. to put this out there that I fucking love Billie Holiday and often play her music. I, I, I like playing the piano, and I play a lot of old music. Um, like Gerald likes to say, I'm a 70-year-old uh, man, so I'm very interested because I've never really dove in here. So let's I am
1: familiar it. with her work. I am not a gigantic fan, but I'm familiar with her work, and I, I do enjoy her. On occasion, yeah. so yeah, I'm I'm very interested in this.
2: Yeah. So, Billie Holiday was born as Eleanora Fagan um, on April 7th, 1915, in Philadelphia. Um, her mother was um, Was it? West was a, <laughs> probably, I I don't know what the makeup of Philadelphia was in that time, but probably. Um, he was like her, 90% her, asshole. her 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 mother was um was unwed at the time and a teenager um her mother's name was sarah julia sadie fagan um and her father was clarence halliday um there's some debate as to whether or not halliday was her father um some historians have brought it into question but um it's generally considered that halliday was her father and she considered halliday to be her father later on in life
1: and that's all that matters
2: um so, Sarah moves to Philadelphia at age 19 um, after she was kicked out of her parents' home um, in the Sandtown, Winchester neighborhood of Baltimore, Maryland, um, for becoming pregnant. Um, so, as a pregnant mother, um, she has no support, and she makes arrangement with her older uh, married half-sister, Eva Miller, um, to stay with her in Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> um, not long after she's there, um, Eleonora is born, um, and Clarence abandoned um, his family um, to pursue a career as a jazz banjo player, and, and also a guitarist.
1: Well, uh, those are... <laughs> I mean, if you could abandon your family, you could probably as- aspire higher than a fucking banjo player.
2: Um, part of the... <laughs>
1: For real! You can you just can burn everything down. Bro, shoot higher, man.
0: Listen, if you can play the banjo well, then it wasn't a waste of time.
2: <laughs> what if he was like a virtuoso? Yeah, on the the like banjo, a Robert like, Johnson just, you know. He, yeah, he, he played a solo on the banjo and you were just brought to tears mm. after yep. he was done. Mm. Um, the part of the discrepancy that comes is that on um who will be known later as Billie Holiday, her, her birth certificate states um, in the Baltimore archives that her father was named Frank um, DeVise. Yo, Frankie Dees! Uh, <laughs> but, but it's generally considered by historians that this was an anomaly um, that was caused by, you know, a, a hospital staff member writing the wrong name or getting things mixed up.
1: Yeah, because that happens all the time.
2: Because one of the issues with that is DeVise lived in Philadelphia, um, And Harris may have known him um, through her work, but it's very unlikely that that he was the father of um, Eleonora, later Billy.
1: Listen, right. all Sarah has to say is that she was stepping out and she got knocked up by Frank DeVisi, Frankie Dees.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you there's a small population of Frankie Dees in Philly right now.
1: <laughs> We're all probably like sweating bullets now listening to this. Yeah, you like walk around. Wait, and you where go, was uh, I in 1915? Shit. <laughs> oh shit. They're gonna,
2: they're gonna. need to get a water ice
0: to. Uh, hey, to cool let's go down. down after this. Let's go down to Tony Luke's and get a water ice.
2: <laughs> a fucking water um, ice. <laughs> so, um, Sadie, um, she eventually marries a man named Philip Go, um, but their marriage um, ends in about two years.
0: Became, he became Philip Stop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> um so uh Eleonora would would grow up in Baltimore throughout her early childhood. Um her mother would work what were called transportation jobs, which was working on passenger railroads. Um and um Eleonora would largely be raised um by eva miller's mother-in-law martha miller um and because her mother wasn't around um throughout like the first decade of her life she often you know felt the suffering of that
1: okay
0: in various ways i'm assuming
2: yes that sucks uh but um through her own autobiography um we we don't know much about her early life um, her, early biography, uh, her autobiography was published in 1956, uh, but a lot of the details are sketchy on her early life. Um, so she she attends kindergarten at St. Francis Academy, um, but she oh, that's a Catholic fre- school. A Catholic she school would frequently skip school, um, and her constant truancy would result in her being brought to juvenile court on January 5th, 1925 um at that time she was five years old i was gonna say yeah what the fuck she's like five goddamn years old what
0: back then they didn't fuck around you know
2: um and it's funny you mentioned that that she was that that was a catholic school um because after this she was sent to the house of the good shepherd which was a catholic reform school um and she would be baptized on march 19th 1925 yeah you basically two two things a
1: i guarantee you she didn't want to be baptized they were just like hey you little witch were baptizing you and B she was at a Catholic school and she fucked up so that she got sent to reform school. Cause that's how them things work. In
0: 1925. If, if you were a child that was sent to a Catholic, like reform school, you had like a, maybe like a 70, 30 shot of like making it, alive. it. Yeah. <laughs> you were either going to be, and this is like all jokes aside, you were either going to be molested, murdered, Sold, beaten, oh, fucking oh yeah. psychologically there, that, fucked.
2: There, there's that one school up in North Florida. It was the uh, the black boys' school mm-hmm. where they they recently found uh, what can be described as a mass grave. Oh, the corpses. From,
0: yeah. Oh my God. It's yeah. Gross. From all
2: the all the boys that were the one near were Jacksonville. Killed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Was it like a just boys
1: ranch or like cuz the sheriff's department has like the boys ranches.
2: Well, no, no. This was like in the this was like in the 20s. Like it was like very oh. very like a very old like like boys school. Think more like like this type of like reform school.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will say uh, this to our listeners. If you ever have the chance to read about those like fucking just trauma farms, do not Yeah, don't do it. Just save yourself the trouble.
1: Or if you're going to, just before you do, just – and then go for it hard.
0: Take a shot of an Arizona iced tea with ginseng. (laughs) (laughs) You need to get the dopamine flowing. Get some polyphenols.
2: Have some cloves. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things they say about the British middle and upper class – that they would uh, send all their children off to these, like, boarding schools, where they would just be brutalized by the people who ran the boarding schools, and it just made them into, like, <laughs> sociopaths. Yep. Yep. It's terrible. That's, uh, yeah, remember, if, we if you watch The Crown...
1: childhood it, The same way that we treat it now in, in the year of our Lord 2021. like well, Kids worked uh, back then. Remember that? Like They had, like, full-time jobs. It was, like, pensions and health insurance. <laughs> like...
0: You have to think about it from this perspective. You have these organizations where they're placing adults in charge of children. And the parents are basically deferring to social order and saying that my kid is under good care. But the regulation is not there. There's no regulation. Well, so you end up having these like organizations that are, in, you know, don't really give a shit about who they're bringing in. They don't research their backgrounds. And a lot of the stuff that ends up happening gets pushed under the rug. So it's just...
1: It's talk in- about my job like that. Well, it's, it's, it's also it's <laughs> no. I mean, like situation. I hate those. Like
0: I hate those. I'm sorry. One one last thing. I hate those people that are uh, completely against regulation. And like Steve and I have talked about it before. Like they act like if there was no regulation, these people would all do the right thing. You know, when we have evidence that they fucking didn't, and they won't. Or, yeah, for hundreds of years they didn't do the right thing. No. You know, and even with the oversight people are
2: still going through trauma today so i have like, to
1: make things into law like no you cannot use children to work for you no
2: because her mom her mom wasn't consenting to this this was like yeah they just said this was like that's it, this right. is like the equivalent of her being sent to juvie like well, was it because her, her mom saw just like yeah we could send her to the uh reform school this was just mm-hmm. the court saying uh which will be a constant thing in in her life is just that the the legal system it is incredibly harsh during this period, and it's also incredibly harsh to people of color. I was gonna,
1: I was gonna say, say, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, so eventually, she's uh, paroled on October 3rd, 1925, into the care of her mother. She's like fucking um,
1: nine. Yeah, you paroled at nine. What the fuck is that? What is this broken uh, country? You paroled a nine year old. <laughs> what the fuck?
2: Jesus Christ. Um, her mother would open a restaurant called the Eastside Grill. Um, and both her and her mother uh, worked long hours at this restaurant. And um, Billy, then Eleonora, would drop out of school at age 11 in order to work full time.
0: Ah, the good old days. <laughs> you guys don't the days <laughs> the days we, we long for. You know, back, back when I was a kid, I fucking hate the phrase, the good old days. <laughs> On December 24th,
2: 1926... Sadie, uh, her mother, had discovered that a neighbor of theirs uh, named Wilbur Rich um, was attempting to rape Eleonora. Oh, um, no. Who is, who is Billy? She's like 11? Um, yeah, so um, they successfully fought back. I think she'd be 12, but either way. Doesn't even um, matter, right? Yeah. They, they fought back. Uh, Rich was arrested, um, and officials would again place Eleonora. Um, in the house of the Good Shepherd, um, under the protective custody of, of state witness in in this case.
1: Wait a minute, you're going to tell me that they actually arrested this guy for attempted
2: rape? Amazing. Yeah, they, they arrested him, but they also placed um, Billy into this um, reform school again.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm um, kind of just flabbergasted that they actually arrested him knowing what I know of the criminal justice system and how often it does not.
2: Well, arrest I, I assume today. I assume no. Wilbur Rich was also black. So that that's probably the reason why they arrested him.
0: Yeah, if you were white.
2: Well, if he was if he was white, they probably would have put uh, Eleonora on trial saying, you know, that she had seduced him. Right. Fucking
1: eleven. Never mind. Never
2: mind. Never mind. She's eventually released in February of nineteen twenty seven at the age of twelve.
1: That eleven year old harlot.
2: Um she would after this she would find a job running errands for a brothel. Um and she would scrub the steps of the the brothel. Um and she would also uh, clean the the kitchen and bathroom floors of, of neighborhood homes nearby. Okay. Um so around this time, she begins hearing, you know, the records of, of, of Louis Armstrong and Bessie Smith.
0: Yep.
2: Um, and she would cite West End Blues um, as a big influence on her going into music.
1: So I just um, want to also point out, just so we can maintain a frame of reference, she is 12 right now. She's right. 12 years old. She is a former convict out on parole. She is now working for a brothel, or was working for a brothel. As well as kitchens and bathrooms of home, like doing yeah. like cleaning, in-house cleaning. Yeah.
0: And mentally, I mean, you know, we know she's a child now, but there were different expectations put on 12-year-olds in the 20s. I,
1: yeah, no, no, for sure. But I so, just want to make sure that we all keep that in perspective. Well, it, it's,
2: it's also a thing that the racism of the day wouldn't really, like, you know, allow for her to have. You know in, that normal, normal development normal as a child, because they they otherize black people and say you know that they're they're incapable of you know of, of a higher education and, and yeah. learning, so that like her doing that, they're like, well, that's fine, that's how it's supposed to be. Well, I come, yeah. but, but contact we
1: attack did- with twelve year olds on a semi regular basis, I guess, or and even in around that age range, and it's still it's it's very shocking when you say that this girl was twelve because talking to your average twelve year old okay
2: all right <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not the age where responsibility comes in and this is even if it's like a system like in japan where they start kids early on like wording like this is how you manage a bank account and you should like save your money and this is how you do this like in the in the american system it, that and that it's just like completely insane to give a 12 year old that much agency in their life and their oh yeah goings on
1: oh yeah not to get too uh, off topic, but there was a kid that yeah I had to sit there and take care of the other day, and uh, while I'm talking to him, it, you know I expect parents to kind of jump in when I'm asking about things like you know medical history and allergies, and mom's just kind of looking at him and expecting him to respond, and I was like, like I get it, like you wanted to you know grow up and be able to answer questions on his own, but um, I don't think a 12 year old is gonna know about his medical history or why he's taking certain medications. Unless he's, like, you know, got kind of a long-term issue, like diabetes. Unless
0: it's okay. 1925, and he's working in the, the coat rack at a, at a brothel.
1: 1925, then, yeah. he's coming in on his own, with a, cig- yeah. go- with a cigarette yeah. bouncing in between his lips, telling me his own fucking problem.
2: Hey, Ryan, how yeah, you doing? Where's uh, Rosie? If he's living as Bart as the, at the burlesque house. <laughs> thing, <yeah. laughs> Hi, Bart!
0: <laughs> Just my favorite, like, other than the, uh, The Bush sequence, the Grandpa Simpson walking into the burlesque house, taking his coat off while whistling and then (laughs) walking out. That's like the (laughs) pinnacle of Simpson's achievement right there.
2: Um, By the end of 1928, um, Eleonora would move in with her mother to um, Harlem, New York. Um, er, Well, um, her, her mother would move to Harlem, New York, Um, and Eleanor would be left with Martha Miller Um, and by early 1929 um, Eleanor would move in with her mother Um, but what ends ends up happening is that um, the landlady of the building they lived in um, by the name of Florence Williams um, she also uh, ran a brothel um, at that time and um, Eleanor's mother would become a prostitute at that time at that brothel within a matter of days at arriving in new york um and eventually um billy after arriving in new york um at not even 14 years old at that time would also be a prostitute at that brothel at five dollars oh a client. my god good lord um and it, and it so gets like better because bucks. okay because the the brothel would be raided in on may 2nd 1929 um, and Holiday and her mother would be sent to prison. Amazing. Amazing. Um, ev- Mer- eventually... Mer- American dream. Uh, eventually, her mother would be released in July of 1929. And, and wait, 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 wait. How long was she in jail? So, Eleanor is released in October. Um, so, May, that's like five, about two months, months for right? her mother. And it was about... Um, It was about five months for, um, Billy. Jesus.
1: <laughs> um. Okay, amazing. Absolutely amazing.
2: So after she gets out. I'm trying, I'm trying out,
0: to find a place to joke here, Steve. Fuck's sake. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, it's pretty rough. And th- this is also part of the reason of, like, understanding why, um, Billy goes into, like, why she becomes a drug abuser. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's just sort of, like, how tragic her entire, like, like history and backstory is. We could have but stopped like it no,
1: to her being nine years old, and that would have been enough for me to be like, yeah, sure, girl, do all the drugs you want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're but on parole it, but as a nine-year-old, like, yeah, do whatever the fuck you want. Have at it. Um,
2: so, when she becomes – after this, she sort of starts uh, performing in nightclubs in Harlem. Um, she would begin performing under the pseudonym Billy Dove. Um, sort of named after an actress she admired, um, and um, and also eventually um, she would change her name, um, her performing name to Holiday after her um, after her father, um, and this was eventually changed to Holiday. Hmm. Um, and, and early on she would she would team up with a neighbor of hers. Um, a a tenor saxophone player named Kenneth Holland. Um, They had performed from 1929 to 1931. Um, They had performed at a number of clubs um, in Harlem at that time, such as the Grey Dawn, Pods and Jerry's on 133rd Street, um, and the Brooklyn Elks Club.
1: So she was 14 when she started
2: this? Uh, Around that age. Um, This is all over a number of years. Um, so, this is like between the ages of like 14 and 17.
1: Okay. Like I said, just want to keep things in perspective.
2: Someone, this Steve, isn't... will know about Benny, Benny Goodman recalled hearing oh, yeah. um, Holiday in 1931 at the Bright Spot, which was a club in Harlem. And, it, and also, Benny, early... Goodman play
1: clarinet?
0: Benny Goodman, I think he might play multiple instruments. He was a band. Yeah. Player.
2: But one of the things about um, Holiday, too. Is that a lot of the recordings we have of her that aren't from records? Like if you're watching like a live performance of her, they're usually later on in her life where her voice is much rougher.
0: Mm-hmm. He does play, he does play clarinet by the way.
2: So during this period, you know, she becomes to to gain a reputation, um, and she also reconnects with her father, um, who was also playing in uh, uh, playing in a band run by Fletcher Henderson.
0: So kind of ran in the family a little bit then.
2: Yeah, yeah and, and also, too, later on, her, her mother will also perform and, and sort of help with this. Late 1932, um, Billie Holiday at the age of 17, um, she replaces a singer named Monette Moore um, at Coven's, which was a club on, on West 132nd Street in New York. Um, at, this, um, at this time where she sings, a producer named John Hammond, um, who's a big fan of Moore. Here's Billy, and he arranges for Billy to get her her music actually recorded, um, and she would have her recording debut at the age of 18 um, in November of 1933 um, with Benny Goodman.
0: Nice. Really? I didn't know they collaborated. That's interesting.
2: Um, Hammond, who was impressed with uh, Billy, said of her, um, Her singing almost changed my music tastes and my musical life because she was the first girl singer I'd come across who actually sang like an improvising jazz genius. Um, and, and Hammond would also compare her favorably um, to Louis Armstrong. Really? And he said that she had a good sense of lyric content uh, despite her age. Um, in 1935, she would appear um, in a, a short Um, As an abused lover, um, and this short was um, Duke Ellington's um, Symphony in Black, A Rhapsody of Negro Life. The only thing I know about
1: Duke Ellington is his appearance in Big Mouth on Netflix.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just, the most, just awful fucking thing for him to appear in. (laughs) uh, Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely watched it. I, I was there when he showed up, and it was uh, fucking amazing.
1: Duke, <laughs> that is Duke. my frame of reference for Duke Ellington, just so Duke you know. Duke
0: Ellington's probably one of my top five favorite pianists. So, like, yeah. I, I, when I saw it, I was just sitting there like, Jesus
2: Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Duke. <laughs> the Duke. Um, in, in, this she's, in her scene, she sings uh, The Saddest Tale. In 1935, as well, um, she was signed by by Brun's. Um, she was signed to Brunswick by John Hammond um, to record pop tunes, um, accompanied by the pianist uh, Teddy Wilson, um, in, in sort of a swing style. And this was sort of to capitalize on the growing jukebox trade, um, because jukeboxes are becoming more common. Th- this is kind of like getting the radio single of the time. Okay, that's how
0: Fats Waller made most of his money. He uh, he would he was like pro, super prolific. He wrote hundreds of songs and sold them to the uh, uh, white musicians, and uh, the white musicians would play the music and they'd end up in a jukebox. And
1: I thought you meant he was going to sell them a whole jukebox of nothing but his music. Like, yeah, put this in your bar.
0: let play this for people. That's it's pretty. But- <laughs> that's pretty much what he did, just in a kind of roundabout way. He wrote all the music and sold it.
1: That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy i got a monopoly in the jukeboxes and all the bars. You'll listen um, to me whether you like it or not. <laughs>
2: uh, uh. In this recording session, they were allowed to improvise, um, but uh, Brunswick wasn't really a fan of it because he wanted Holiday to sing like Cleo Brown, who's another musician. Um, so essentially, he's like, we have her. She's not really an established musician. We want her to sound like somebody else to capitalize on that. Okay. Um, however, after the song um, "What a Little Moonlight Can Do" was successful, um, they began to consider Holiday as as like an artist that they could use as herself. Okay. Right. And and a year later, in 1936, um, she would begin recording under her own name um, for Vocalion. This is
0: all during the Depression, right?
2: Yeah, this is all during the Depression.
0: So she had a pretty. Uh, uh, successful depression then.
2: Yeah well um, according to Hammond um, the Brunswick um, in charge of the studio was broke and unable to record many jazz tunes Um, so Wilson, Holiday Young and other musicians came to the studio without written arrangements so they were able to record for less money. Okay. Mm, okay. Um, and and Holiday as well. She was paid in a flat fee as opposed to royalties. Oh, they fucked her over. <sighs> oh,
1: uh, um, of course.
2: And, and and to say that, um, and I cried for you. Um, sold fifteen thousand copies, which Hammond called a giant hit for Brunswick. Most records that made money sold around three to four thousand. Listen, <laughs> this
1: is this is my call to all you SoundCloud rappers listening to us and everything. Get an attorney. Don't sign <laughs> the shit. They, they, I got a contract. Listen, fuck off. Let my attorney read it, and then I will sign it when it's done. Do not just sign anything. That's how Mike Tyson lost all his fucking money. That's how goddamn Billy Holiday probably got fucked out of a lot of money.
2: Well... She- well, she she got fucked over for a lot of reasons.
0: I was gonna um, say, even Mike Tyson, the, he got fucked over for a lot of reasons. <laughs> but
2: however, but the the, the wall for holiday, also? much like Tyson, was a big reason for it. But but hers was more like it was very much like a man obsessed with her, as opposed to um, like legitimate things like like Mike Tyson's horrendous criminal record. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. my point my point is being made.
1: Get an attorney. Don't just sign contracts. Get an attorney. Somebody who knows what the fuck they're talking about, not your goddamn brother who went to a fucking attorney dock in a box school. Like, don't no, no. You
0: mean we can't do this like hustle and flow? You know? No. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: fuck no. <laughs> fuck no. <laughs>
0: no. Call up. What you wanna do is you wanna call up MC Search of third
2: base. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: He'll hook you up.
2: Um uh holiday um uh, during this period would um she would perform uh, accompanied by a tenor saxophonist named Lex, lester young um, um who had been a boarder at her mother's house in 1934 and had a good friendship with holiday um young had said i think you can hear that on some of the old records you know um sometime i'd sit down and listen to him myself and it sound like two of the same voices or the same mind or something like that uh, showing her range. Okay. Young would give her her nickname um, that she would use later on in life called Lady Day. Okay. Um, and, and she would give him the nickname Prez. Okay. President. Um, in, in 1937, um, Holiday would be a vocalist for the big band vo- uh, for the big band performer Count Basie
0: count Basie.
2: So what um, is a big band? like?
0: Uh, it's a big band.
2: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 you, like, you know how in the Blues Brothers, how, like, when they perform on stage and it's sort of like the stage at the end where, like, the stage transforms into, like, the old-style, like, bandstand?
1: Yeah, it has, like, a whole ensemble behind them.
2: Basically, yeah, that, it's that's, like that's an what a big band is. It's like having an ensemble... Um, it's not of just some, like four other people. okay. yeah, it's just right. not like five, six people standing on stage. It's okay. kind of like an it, it, you
0: you could call it an orchestra too, okay. So it's kind of similar to that. but instead of like an orchestra where it's a huge number of musicians, it's kind of like, not a small band. It's like almost like a medium band, really. But they just it's call like it a big
2: band. It's like an a little tiny orchestra. Which, yeah. which, this was the sound. This was like the sound of the 30s and 40s. Because like, my grandfather was a big fan of the big band.
0: Uh, the, I um, loved... Until he died. I love okay. big band. And I was introduced to it uh, by my grandparents. Like Glenn Miller and those people, yeah.
2: Yeah. Benny okay. Goodman was um, a
0: big one. Duke Ellington was huge. But really more for black audiences, although he crossed over a lot. So,
1: My granddad liked the Rolling Stones.
0: <laughs> Speaking of pedophiles.
2: He <laughs> said the Rolling Stones, not Led Zeppelin.
0: No, man, Mick Jagger was out banging like 12. Oh, yeah, all, all
2: of them were. All, all of them were. Because I, yeah.
0: be- but they always use the same excuse. It was legal at the time in England for 13 year olds.
1: Oh, you're 14 years old. You want not come on the tour, boss? Yeah, jump on here. Leave your knickers on the side of the road. We don't need that. <laughs> That's
0: the worst, dude. What the, the fuck, worst. bro? Uh,
2: what well, was uh, Led Zeppelin that, that famously, um, J- Jimmy Page, I believe it was, um, essentially kidnapped a, a teenage girl and like kept her hostage?
0: jimmy page was just like a walking erection like he was like a vagina coat rack jimmy page
1: is like let me show you the stairway to heaven girl
0: uh, (laughs) just never let her back off just the worst
2: (laughs) um a a lot of the time she was performing with count Basie. um the the conditions weren't great um they would often perform like one-nighters so they would only like perform in a town one night and then after that um they would have to constantly move which gave her very little stability
1: God, she sounds like a goddamn like criminal all right we stay here for one night do a one one job that's it just one no we're leaving
2: I mean like it
0: it depends where they're where they're show like showing music right like, yeah if
2: they go, and it's if they, just, go
0: to, if they go to the south that's pretty much what you had to do
2: well they're 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 performing all over um, not just in the south but you also have to remember like for a black musician there's not a lot of places you can stay which which will come up. Yeah. Later need, on this episode, need that book. Um, so like it's it's not like you can you can spend a lot of time in a town comfortably. I keep um,
1: forgetting it, that there's still no like at this point in time there's still no like consideration for ah eh, you're one of the good ones you sing for us yeah come on in here we got room for you there
0: might be but but it's probably so few and far between that it, and and if you're a person of color at the time are you gonna trust it yeah you know. Because like some schmuck could just walk in and basically decry your race, and then you're in a shitty situation.
2: Well, we'll yeah. we'll talk about that when she when she joins a mostly white band. Um, so, holiday uh, during this period, you know, she chooses um, a lot of the songs um, that she sings, and during that, she sort of portrays this persona of a woman who's unlucky in love. Um, and. Uh, Basie would say of her, uh, when she rehearsed with the band, it was really just a matter of getting her tunes like she wanted them, because she knew how she wanted to sound, and you couldn't tell her what to do. Mm. I'm a di- I'm a
0: diva. <laughs>
2: um, during, during her time with Basie, um, she was unable to record in the studio, um, but later on she would include some of the musicians that she sang with with Basie um, on her later recording sessions with Teddy Wilson. Okay. Um, During this period as well she would find herself in competition with Ella Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm. Um, The two would eventually become friends. um, Because uh, Fitzgerald was a vocalist for the Chick Webb Band which was in competition with the Basie Band.
1: Oh shit! They give a battle of the bands. They give a band off, bro. Yeah. Are they both big um, bands?
2: Well, on on January sixteenth, nineteen thirty-eight, um, the same day that Benny Goodman uh, would perform at the Carnegie Hall um, jazz concert, um, Basie and Webb had a battle of the bands at the Savoy Ballroom. They had a band off
0: stomping at the Savoy.
2: <laughs> Who
1: brought it to the house? Who won? Um.
2: So, both Webb and Fitzgerald were declared the winners nah, uh, by Metro it's Magazine, <laughs> while, while Downbeat Magazine um, said that Holiday and Basie were there the we winners. There we
1: go. I like Downbeat Magazine. Are they still around? Who's Downbeat?
2: Um, ab- <laughs> among the, among the audience, uh, <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald would win, though, by a 3-to-1 margin in a straw poll. She bullshit. Was
0: in- she was incredibly popular, and also... As gifted as Billie Holiday, no yeah. Who she, she
1: is? Bullshit. She, she was a very talented uh, musician. No, I, I, no, I never heard of Ella Fitzgerald. My oh, okay. knowledge of like the big band, the swing, the jazz is woefully inadequate.
0: Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's 2021. <laughs> why would you like unless you were in music or like you had been exposed to it at some point in your life it's like
2: Ryan totally this confused. is over 80 years ago how can you say this doesn't touch on you in some way <laughs> 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 he's like I want an answer nah, I don't have an answer
0: for you. I got nothing for you what can I say um,
1: I played the saxophone uh, in 6th grade I should know better man I should know something like more than what I do which is nothing
2: saxophone <laughs> eventually in in february of 1938 um holiday was uh not singing for basie um various reasons are given for the firing um uh one of uh basie's male vocalists jim rushing um he said that um he called her unprofessional what um and and it was eventually said that she was um quote-unquote temperamental and unreliable um She would complain of low pay and poor working conditions, um, and may have also uh, refused to sing songs that requested her to change her musical style.
1: If I'm a singer known for a style, I'm not going to change it just because somebody wants me to. Like, you're asking me to change my entire thing. Like, no. I don't blame her for that. Yeah, I temperamental mean, I th- and unreliable like yeah if you're making me sleep in a fucking car or some shit because you can't give me adequate room and board because I'm a person of color yeah I, I think they might be kind of temperamental when you wake them up to go you know perform for a crowd of heckling white people yeah I can kind of understand that
0: well I think part of her thing was that she was she was just less than compromising stylistically like she didn't want to be told what she was supposed to be doing with a particular band she wanted to do things her way and that made it a little bit difficult to work with these other guys who all thought they were on you know actually they they didn't think it they were like in charge of their bands
2: well well this is also the era where like women don't really have as many rights you know it's very paternalistic uh paternalistic i'm sure within like the jazz scene um that like these these like jazz performers you know who were at the top you know that it's mostly men, they don't want a woman coming in, and you know.
0: You think you're some no big bird, bird but there's lots of birds, and I'll get another bird.
2: <laughs> you didn't tell me there was sexism in the thirties. There are a lot of birds <laughs> from this day that can sing, honey. <laughs> sexism in the thirties? I don't believe it. <laughs> but like, even even today, they say that if like actresses and and oh singers, yeah, you know, dude, like Fuck like yeah. the whole the whole connotation of an actress being you know quote unquote difficult. Um. Me- meaning that, you know, they tell Joss Whedon to fuck off when he's, like, you know, <laughs> trying to, like, trying to sleep with them. Like, like that, that, that's considered difficult. She okay. told like,
1: Harvey Weinstein to eat a dick when he tried to get yeah. him to blow him, and they're like, I can't work with this woman! She's too difficult!
2: When, when Harvey Weinstein, you know, came out of the, the bathroom with his kimono undone, like... <laughs> What is this
1: bullshit that she asked for in her dressing room? Tampons? What the Harvey, fuck is it? I can't. I can't work with this.
0: Harvey, would you please? <laughs> would you please close the kimono up? It looks like you're carrying a, just an uncooked crescent roll tube down there. <laughs> just an exploded uncooked crescent roll tube. <laughs> I don't want the roll that bad. I'll go home.
2: Um, about a month after she was fired from Count Basie's band um she begins working Did She get for fired Artie by the Shaw. count Um so so Artie <laughs> Shaw is white
0: Yeah man Artie Shaw honeysuckle jump
2: Um so she is one of the first black women to work with a white orchestra um which was very unusual at that time.
1: Nothing could go wrong. She's going to be breaking barriers. No
2: one's going to hate this. Also, and, and Artie while, Shaw, while she's working, Jewish.
0: Keep that in mind. And,
2: <laughs> and while she's working with Artie Shaw, she's one of the first black female performers um, to tour the segregated South with a white band leader. No problems at all could come of this. Yeah. Um, but during this time, you know, Shaw would stick up for her, um... And she also describes a situation in her autobiography um, where she was not permitted to sit on the bandstand with other vocalists because she was black. And Shaw told them, um, I want you on the bandstand like Helen Forrest, Tony Pastor, and everyone else. Yep. While touring the South, <sighs> um, Holiday would, would often be heckled by members of the audience. And in, um, in Louisville, Kentucky... Um, a man called her, quote-unquote, an N-word wench um, and requested she sing another song. At this um, holiday, uh, lost her temper and had to be escorted from the stage.
1: Listen here, you fucking wench. Can you sing something else? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what? Oh my
2: God. <laughs> what is
1: wrong with these people?
0: Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh wait, never just, mind. Sorry, this, this was. Pretty weird? much,
1: what did you say this was?
0: they were pretty much all. This was
1: in, uh, in in Louisville. In 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 Louisville. All right, no, never mind. No one's surprised. Ugh, nobody is surprised that Louisville once again has shown its ass.
0: Some real pieces of shit there. <laughs>
2: um, in in 1938, Sean Holiday would be broadcast on the most powerful radio station in New York City, WABC. WABC. Um, <laughs> Which is, which is today WCBS? WCBS, the most powerful radio station east
1: of the Mississippi. Catch us on 94.5 on your dial.
2: <laughs> Tune in for the morning zoo on WCBS. Honk, honk. Roo. Aruga. Aruga. <laughs> honk. Just get the scream in there. Um, so because of their success... Um, they were given an extra time slot to broadcast in April of that year, um, which gave them more exposure. Okay. Um, and during this time as well, the New York Amsterdam News, um, reviewed the broadcast and said that, uh, Holiday was, um, improving. Oh my god. What year is this? Um, this is in
1: 1938. So she's 23.
2: Um, Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so they're, they're saying that she's improving as an artist, um, and Metronome, at that time, which was a, a periodical of the day reported, um, that addition of Holiday to Shaw's band put it in the quote-unquote top brackets. Okay.
1: Um,
2: but Holiday could not sing as often as she wanted to during Shaw's shows as she could in bassies, um, because the, the repertoire of the band was more instrumental, with fewer uh, vocalists contributing. Um, and Shaw at that time was also pressured to hire a white singer um, named Nita Bradley, who Holiday didn't get along with.
1: Okay.
0: Well, I um, mean, she was basically may, there to do her job, you know.
2: Pretty, pretty much.
0: Pretty much, went, uh, and for bad because, reasons, too.
2: Be, because one of the things that would happen as well is that, like, they couldn't book the same accommodations for Holiday and the other members of the band, because they couldn't just, you know, like book a black person even in the north to stay in a hotel, as a white band. Uh, it's just yeah, um, America. In May of 1938, um, Shaw's band. The good the old days. The, the good against, old days of America. Against Tommy Dorsey and and Red Norvo, um, with a lot of the audience favoring Holiday's performance.
0: Tommy good. Dorsey was a big name.
2: Um, Shaw. Shaw admired Holiday singing, and he said that she had a remarkable ear and a remarkable sense of time. Um, but um, soon, her her time in the band would come to an end.
1: I guess your sense of time wasn't that good. Ay, in, in November of
2: 1938, um, Holiday would be asked to use a service elevator at the Lincoln Hotel um, instead of using the passenger elevator. Bro, um, because, because the white patrons at the hotel had complained about her using it.
1: Those would be the same people who watching her sing that, that very night.
2: I tell you, back in the day,
0: things were so much easier.
2: Um, so <laughs> after, after this, she decides to leave the band. Um, she speaks of this incident weeks later saying, I was never allowed to visit the bar or the dining room as other members of the band, and I was made to leave and enter through the kitchen. Just imagine,
0: your whole life is essentially one big... Painful Labor Like Laborious Just task Of like Um, Dealing with the shit That's going on And then you have Like a modicum Of success In your late Teens Early Twenties And you're still Catching shit Every fucking day
1: not going to lie, uh, I wouldn't mind being escorted out of the kitchen, because that's where you get all the best food as you get kicked out. Well... You're like, hey, you're getting kicked out. Throw me a roll for the go. This, <laughs> is a, this isn't
2: exactly the kitchen scene from Goodfellas.
1: So. <laughs> uh, Yo, wrap up a plate. I'm going to be back through here in a minute or two after they kick me off
2: the stage. Wrap me up a
1: plate.
0: <laughs> Tell the Rat Pack I'll be in in a moment.
2: Just making the uh, the drink sign to them as you walk by. Just
0: over uh, here, I'm taste-testing the Shvoy Hotel.
2: <laughs> um, because of um, because she was under contract to a different label than Shaw's, um, and also possibly because of her race, um, she was only able to make one record with Shaw, which was Any Old Time. So very little of her actual music with Shaw's band survives.
0: That's sad. Jesus, so fucking sad.
2: Um, and and after this. Um, She toured with Count Basie and Artie Shaw. Um, She scored a a string of radio and retail hits with Teddy Wilson. Um, And she also became established during this period as an artist. Her songs What a Little Moonlight Can Do and Easy Living were imitated by many singers during this period and quickly became uh, jazz standards. In September of 1938, um, her single I'm Gonna Lock My Heart um, ranked sixth as the most played song that month her record label uh vocal Line, who i mentioned previously mm-hmm. um, they listed that single as their fourth bestseller um, of september and it peaked at number two on the pop charts according to joel uh, whitburn's pop memories 1890 to
1: 1954 uh, also in september 1938 uh, this song was going against such ballads as Larry Clinton's My Reverie, uh, Big Joe Turner and Pete Johnson's Rollin' Pete, and Count Basie's Jumpin' at the Woodside. She's got some stiff competition there.
0: <laughs> you, it just sounded like we went from like uh, just a fun kind of historical referencing uh, podcast to like, like a, a jazz stand podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just like, just like one yeah. of those
2: weird like NPR shows where they talk about jazz.
0: No, it, like... it was just it was between the sheets, the wrestling podcast that he sent me. Where it's like these guys know every wrestling match that happened for fifty fucking years, and like the names of all these. Like, oh, on April thirteenth, uh, yeah, Big Bamba uh, Bigelow uh, fought off Rick uh, Rick Flair in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, at the. Sea at the uh, you know, it's just like.
2: Right. now that is that is a storied match because otherwise out on the east coast wwf you had
1: i'm not gonna lie i have somewhere and i would have to dig it up a vhs of the wcw nwo bash at the beach from 1997 Brother, featuring the nwo Wolfpack. i know I, I
0: hate to sound like i'm trying to one-up you but let me one-up you uh I got WrestleMania 2 on VHS. (laughs) Jeez! It's somewhere back home in a cabinet. It's probably sandwiched between two (laughs) Beavis and ButtHead maranathons that I just left the tape in overnight.
2: The, uh, the, The tapes are the best because they have the original music. Because a lot of times on the WWE Network... They will change the music to something generic.
1: Oh, yeah, no, dude, this was back in the day when pay-per-views were 50 bucks, and I was well, at my yeah. dad's well, house, like, and we paid well, like 50 I was bucks watching... to record this entire hour-and-a-half pay-per-view of Bash at the Beach. And I will never forget this because I was so excited and watched this thing so much that I had to start fucking with the tracking because, the, like, the tape started to go <laughs> bad. Well
2: I, was, well, I was watching, like, the Great American Bash in, like, 1989 and, like, the Fabulous Freebirds come out to uh, Freebird by Leonard Skinner. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and and they, they come out to the breakdown. But still, like, you can't have, like, people coming out to, like, like actual music that had to be licensed. I Like, I don't know what the licensing agreements were back then. But, like, they, they obviously don't work the same now. And that's probably one of the reasons why the WWE has, like, such a tight control mm-hmm. on, like what music they can come out to.
0: Well, speaking of licensing agreements, what's going on with Billie Holiday now?
2: Um, <laughs> so, uh, during this period, um, Holiday's mother would open a restaurant. She couldn't um, even stay in the dic-
1: same hotel as the band. I don't think she's doing too great.
2: Ugh. Her, Ugh. her Her nickname during, her nickname was the Duchess, um, and she opened a restaurant called Mom Holidays. Okay. Um, and she would use money for Billie, um, while playing dice with members of the Count Basie band um, to, to, like, gain more money. Mm. Um, and when she opened the restaurant, um, Holiday said it kept Mom busy and happy and stopped her from worrying and watching over me. Um, but her mother began borrowing large amounts of money from her in order to support the restaurant, um, and Billy felt obligated to help her. Um, uh, but Billy fell at hard times herself. Um, and she would say, I needed some money one night, and I knew Mom was sure to have some, she said. So I walked in the restaurant like a stockholder and asked, Mom, turned me down flat. She mm. wouldn't give me a cent.
1: Hell no, go get a job, bitch. All that little singing that you're doing at the bars after hours. Go get, go, go, go make your own money.
2: Um, while, while she was arguing with her mother, um, Holiday angrily shouted, God bless the child that's got his own. Uh-oh, that's um, where she got and the lyric and, or? and stormed out um a, a friend of hers arthur herzog jr a, a pianist um wrote a song based on the lyric um god bless the child and added music which became a huge with him became a huge was hit, he in though. the
1: restaurant when she screamed that or well
2: well like, she's sitting she at like it,
1: the restaurant high top and he's like oh god damn that's a good lyric and he's like he's i, like, I believe out he was with countertop.
2: her but, but she but she wrote the lyrics to the song, and he scored the piano music. I, okay. I believe he might have been with her. Okay. Crazy. That's crazy. Um, It, it became her most popular and most covered record. Um, it reached number 25 on the charts in 1941 um, and was third in Billboard Songs of the Year um, after selling over a million records. Uh. Um, uh, this song, along with a number of her songs, will be added to the Grammy Hall of Fame. This one in 1976. Um, Herzog claimed that uh, Holiday contributed only a few lines to the lyrics. He said she came up with the line "God bless the child" from a dinner conversation the two had. Okay. Um, so, so while wait, so wait, she's this recording... guy
0: this guy tried to take credit for it, like.
2: Well, I think I think he did do a good deal of it, right. and like um, she she helped him with the lines. Hmm. I, I don't think he was trying to like move in and say like, "Yeah, that was all me."
0: Yeah, Billy didn't do that shit. That was me, Herzog.
2: <laughs> Remember that name,
0: Herzog.
2: Herzog. Like the director.
0: Kind of rolls right off He's not time. out
2: yet, but you're all going to go crazy about him in <laughs> 60, 70 years.
0: <laughs> uh, we were just comparing herpes and coarse
1: <laughs> Kind of like um, totally off topic, but I would totally love to go back to 1935 and just walk around just to see how... Ah,
0: uh, the work. good old days. <laughs> see, good old see how
1: bad everything smelled. How bad Ugh. everything! How bad everybody smelled! Like
0: Ryan, you oh, yeah, would, you would, would fucking, would bad. you would land there and immediately get a disease.
1: I'd land there, and be immediately, be like, "All right, I miss weed and alcohol. So take me home."
2: No, well, you could probably get <laughs> weed most and alcohol. The opposite would happen. Was he would just give like, like more powerful versions of diseases to people that like he's immune to. <laughs> No, I'd probably land and be
1: like, "I know exactly who's going to win the Super Bowl for the next fifty years, so I am uh, rich."
2: Every They're you like, can tell. Won't right, well, Ryan, be you right, if you land in the 1930s, you We're going to be like, "What the fuck is a Super Bowl? Because it doesn't come for thirty more years." Ah,
1: yeah, no. Wait a
0: minute. I'm sorry. What's football? We don't have a football team
2: in this state. No. <laughs> uh, uh. With your with your copy of the the Sports Almanac from Back to the Future. Oh my god. <laughs> um, and. So while she's recording with uh, Columbia Records, um, she's introduced to a song that's based on a poem called Strange Fruit. Um, Strange Fruit was a poem originally written by um, Abel Maripol, um, a Jewish schoolteacher from the Bronx. Mm. Um, Maripol would write this poem under the pseudonym Lewis Allen, um, and it would be contributed to the, the School Teacher Union paper. Um, the the poem itself was anti-lynching. I was going to um, say, just stra- in
1: case anybody is unaware, Strange Fruit refers to lynching and uh, things because fruit grows in trees and it's a strange type of thing to see in a tree. Yeah, so that's what Strange Fruit is literally referring to. Very um, anti-lynching song.
2: His, his poem would eventually be set to music and it would be performed at teachers' union meetings. What? Um. Of eventually, because remember back then, uh, labor unions are very leftist, uh-huh. so they're they're very much you know anti-segregation. They're anti-lynching. Um, they're they're very socialist. They're very Marxist. So they're very like for the stopping of things like lynching. So they're very much uh, concerned with these social matters.
1: Okay. Still a very strange song to play. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, eventually, uh, Barney Joseph, uh, Josephson, uh, who owned the cafe society, which was the nightclub in the Greenwich village, um, introduces it to holiday after hearing it. Um, she would perform it at the club in 1939. Um, and, and this is after having some trepidation about performing it because she feared that there'd be some retaliation for her performing it. Okay. Um, and she would also say that the the imagery of the song reminded of her, uh, reminded him or reminded her of her father's death because he had died of um, of a lung disease um, that that medical doctors refused to treat due to his race. Oh, wow,
1: America, fuck yeah. Um,
2: And and she says that this was another thing that also played a role in her resistance to performing it because it also reminded her of her father's death.
1: Um, Uh, With a song like that, I could understand any resistance to performing it. You don't even have to say why. It is kind of unsaid. Nah, that's cool. Understandable.
2: um, When she performed Strange Fruit um, at the Cafe Society, she had the waiters uh, silence the crowd uh, for when she started singing. Um during the song's uh, introduction, um the lights are dimmed and all movement had to, um had to cease. Um Holiday would begin singing uh with only a small spotlight illuminating her face. Um on the final note of the song, all the lights went out, um and when they came back on, she was gone from the stage.
0: Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ryan's ass in the corner, like I don't get it. Is this art? What's going on? Who's who's messing with the lights? I'm trying to watch the show.
2: <laughs> yeah. where the fuck is she? He
0: cracks another I can. I paid good money for this seat. Waiter, You're get back
1: me- on the stage. and keep singing.
0: Waiter, get me another grape nahi and a pabst.
1: I need another truly.
0: Uh, sir, we don't have truly. We have pabst and pabst. <laughs> Give me a blood heavy. All right. <laughs>
2: Right away, sir. (laughs) Coming right up, sir.
1: I'm from the
2: 2020s. Don't you know who I am? (laughs) Um, Of the song she said, it reminds me of how Pop died, but I have to keep singing it. Not only because people asked for it, but because 20 years after Pop died, the things that killed him are still happening in the South. Um, This is what she wrote in her autobiography in the 50s.
0: Oh, yeah, in the 50s, the South was still a fucking mess. Yeah, it's a shit um, It's a mess now, but it was a mess.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a little shit old now, yeah. <laughs> um, her, her producers at Columbia Records, they, they found the subject matter of the song um, too sensitive, uh, but uh, Mick Gabler at Commodore Records um, agreed to record it um, on April 20th, 1939. Um, Holiday would, uh, would have... Strange food in her repertoire for twenty years, um, and she would again record it for Verve Records. Nice. So it was kind of like the bye 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 of In Sync. Um, no. The, the Commodore. <laughs> the com- The Commodore release of her song did not get any airplay, um, but it sold very well. Um, but um, Gabler attributed mostly to the record's other side, um, which was fine and mellow, um, which was a jukebox hit.
1: The other side. Wait. Okay. So, all right. All right. All right. Okay. Well, it, you Excuse know, they opted more, humble, listen, more humble, more humble bragging. Let, let me, let me break this. Let me, let me get this out before you guys like educate <laughs> me because if this sounds as stupid as it is, it'll be a great sound clip. Okay. When you say the other side of the record, do you mean? now? I understand this is in like, you know, the thirties. So you had the records, like the actual records that you played on a record player. Did you, was it like, could you flip it upside down and play a different?
2: Yes. Yes. Really? You like, can still do you, that. If you've heard, if you've heard the term B side, that's what they're like referring B- to. I thought it meant the B side yeah, of the, the cassette tape. No, the, the, well, it's, it's it's sort of the same on cassette tapes. Yeah, you can flip the,
1: it over and you can play the B side, the other side of the cassette. Well, I had well and it was also tape, the same
2: on records, but the A side is normally like this is like this is what you bought it for, and the B side is like the. Um the other stuff. It's deep tracks. It's the deep it's, tracks, is what it is. So yeah, I, it's I, the don't, deep I don't
1: really like listen to records. I'm not like an audio snob. I never collected records. I never had a reason to collect I records. I
0: see you so. calling me an audio snob, but I don't listen to records. I have records.
2: I, I have how. some records. I have I, I have, have f- a Bob Barley and a Bob Dylan uh, record, but I, I, ha- my I
1: have rid of because MP threes did me just fine.
2: I have Metallica,
0: Kill Em All, original. And I have uh uh, what's it called? Uh, Man of War?
1: <laughs> so I had Ride I w- the Lightning on
2: cassette.
0: Yeah, I had Ride the Lightning, but I had Ride the Lightning Ma- on Man of War is a pretty good, like,
2: any like me- wholesome metal. Yeah,
0: I don't think I owned any, um, that, of that on, uh, cassette. No Metallic on cassette. Oh, it's probably my one of my favorite metal bands of all time, though. Everything before the Black Album. But, uh, I, uh yeah records i didn't know that you
1: could flip it upside down though that was yeah
0: cool. records are crazy man they're, they were really cool well, and was... they're still making them they're kind of like a niche thing now where
1: they sell them at target i don't want to hear no niche thing.
0: no it's a <laughs> niche thing dude there's a lot of bands like some of my favorite bands put out records they put out vinyls of their it's... new releases like murder by death it's... flogging molly well, it's, they, a, they release... it's a niche
2: it's a niche thing in the sense that like not every consumer is like well, I'm sure most consumers are not actually buying physical like media, yeah. but just just the fact that you know that they're they're buying the records, which like, to give it's, you an it's idea, enough of a market that they sell it at Target and Barnes and Noble. But it's it's not something that like you know your mom's like just like the other day I bought the latest record. Yeah, bought oh, the Lady Gaga right. record.
0: No, the uh, the thing about Lady the- Gaga, Lady <laughs> Gaga, the. Uh, the thing about records right now, though, is that um, it's always been the same thing too. Is that records sound a certain way because of the analog nature of it? Yeah. So you get a better tone out of them than you get out of other, uh, like digital music. You still people. There's, swear there's a, a
2: different the fidelity, and there's usually a bit of a pop to it because of how um, the media um, is transferred through the um, through the needle. Yeah, they yeah, make okay. they make
0: really nice record players um, for like $50, 75 bucks now too on like Amazon. They, yeah, they're Listen,
1: like my my girlfriend was like kind of offhandedly saying that there was a red like briefcase looking yep. record player at like Bed Bath Beyond. or something yeah. crazy. So yeah, I yeah. snagged that for her, and I also got her. Uh, <laughs> I also got a, like uh, a Remstein vinyl,
0: and then you and, and then you like DJed with it. Yeah, yeah, you
1: know, wicka 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 but, it, I mean, it definitely sounds better, if that makes any sense. Like, it does sound better.
0: It's got a richer sound to it. It just does. Yes. Yep. Yes. Steve's just... Steve's just searching the sentences um, now.
2: Just <laughs> searching for my, doo, doo, my doo, DJ set so I can drop it. <laughs> doo, doo, um I'll give a little something like
0: this. Hit
2: so. <laughs> it. Holiday would say of Strange Fruit, the version I recorded for Commodore... Um, became my biggest selling record um, so it became a top 20s hit in the 1930s Nice. Um, and, and her popularity after this would increase um, she was mentioned in Time Magazine um, and she said I opened Cafe Society as an unknown she would say um, I left two years later as a star I needed the prestige and publicity alright but you can't pay rent with it she soon demanded a raise from her manager Joe Glaser nice Um, and this is where we're going to drop off because after this after she sings Strange Fruit it brings her to the attention of the federal government
1: uh oh
2: oh god like Jay Um, Jay Edgar well it's not Jay Edgar who is the one who becomes the the the, focus of
0: it the other guy it's
2: it's Anslinger who becomes Henry J.
0: Anslinger Right, um, Henry. And,
2: and, and Henry J. Anslinger is a bit of a bastard um, because uh, for a number of reasons, it's not just his massive racism, but just the fact that he is sort of like the precursor to the war on drugs.
1: Such a piece of shit.
2: Um, because he is sort of hired on to head the um, the Bureau of, of narcotics um, during the period of prohibition um but since he signs on in 1930 um he he sort of misses out because remember uh prohibition ends soon after that um so he sort of begins um this sort of crusade against cannabis
1: oh fuck this guy
2: um and he's not only opposed to sort of cannabis and other drugs he's also incredibly racist um, he he is racist to a degree that he is eventually like a, a politician, a, a congressman from Tennessee, eventually asked for him to be censured due to the amount of like racist language he was using in official like like protocol. God damn
0: That's Tennessee! One. That's when you know Jesus, you fucked yeah.
1: up. Imagine Steve King looking at you and be like. Dude, tone it the fuck down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're
1: gonna get us all called out on this shit. Relax, bro. Chill hey. it in, Real it in. But
2: you know, this is, this is very much is. the man. This is very much the man who is behind like things like reefer badness. Like he he believes that like marijuana and these drugs are a gateway to sort of like the dissolution of society um, through the mixing of the races and things like that.
0: Oh man, hit this shit bro. I may have to edit that
2: out. <laughs> well it is legal, he does have a weak card. Uh, I know, I'm just fucking This around. is true. I do have a card. He's nice. he's like he's like Mr. Burns when he's infiltrating Greenpeace. <laughs> it's Funny. just harmless tobacco. It's just <laughs> harmless tobacco. <laughs> it was I was not wavy gravy all along. Wavy. although I do have
1: a lot of money in um Cannabis stocks. Shit. So, if it
2: <laughs> my my godfather's legal? my godfather's uh, wife, um, who I consider an aunt, um, she she invested in penny stocks and weed before it went legal in Colorado. Oh um, my god! And and she made like thirty thousand dollars after. Wow! It went legal. Fantastic. That's awesome. Mm-mm-mm.
0: That's awesome. They were telling people to, they were telling people to do it. You know, once once it started to be legal in California you knew it would only be a matter of time. And, uh, All it
1: was gonna take is one state to bite the bullet, and for everybody to see the it's, massive not only popularity but the massive it's, positives it's, that come from legalization with the ability. It's to
2: inevitable tax it. at this point. You could
0: talk about that, but the first step that they always go to is the fact that they are losing millions and millions of dollars in monthly revenue. It's
2: weekly it's, revenue. It's it's not just that. Like even the I know states it's not that have just adopted that. legal weed. They've they've hurt the cartels to a point where it's caused like major yeah, like power.
0: They've heard the they've oh, hurt yeah. the cartels to the point where they're selling avocados. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that they're just becoming like Nestle level villains where they're just like they're just like forcing children to like farm avocados as opposed to like cocoa, but yeah.
0: Jesus. Alright. So we'll
2: take Alright on up. that note that is that is the introduction to Billy Holiday. I didn't want to um, sort of start in the middle of her life, um, okay. sort of the story of her downfall and her um, downfall at the hands of of Anslinger, the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics.
1: I'm going to smoke um, so much fucking weed before the next episode so I can just be high as shit just so we can talk about this guy dude. when I'm just in the
2: clouds. And, and, and also just to give you an idea of her background and how, like, because after this period, she becomes increasingly reliant on drugs and she eventually becomes a heroin addict and and a lot of this has to do you know with the environment she's in um she has a lot of bad relationships she marries a lot of abusive men um she she sort of comes from this bad background she has a lot of bad people around her so it's it's sort of like one of those things like well no wonder she she'd be substances her life was so so rough um and and you sort of get to understand that when this man anslinger comes along and, and essentially sets out to like destroy her
1: it's almost like people are addicted to drugs because there's something bigger than just,
0: oh, I want to be a drug addict. It's almost upstairs. It's almost like addiction is contextual.
1: God damn, yeah. you know, I, there's got to be something more here, but well, I oh mean, well, we're just a bunch of white guys on a podcast. What the fuck do we know?
0: Well, I mean, I know for a fact just from recent studies and not even just this year, but like there have been, there've been ones this year and last year that were very, very popular. But even then like the last 10 years, that addiction is a... Um, largely a subjective contextual thing like that if you take people out of the context of their addictions oftentimes they they fall off of their addiction and there's Correct. a physiological component that only lasts so long it's the mental part it's the environment that caters to it you know what i mean so, so there's a it's like my dad i give idea. my dad which is just an anecdote sorry my, my dad's an anecdote but i it's what made me look look into that stuff and i found out that it was just very interesting like that there's a lot of research towards that is that my dad's been in the hospital several times and my yeah. dad was like a fucking chain smoker you know which is what prompted me to quit because i saw how bad mm-hmm. he was getting and mm-hmm. uh he went it, when he was in the hospital for like weeks he didn't smoke and he he would ask for a cigarette but like it wasn't like he was like shooting the nurse to go get a cigarette like no he'd yeah, go two weeks not. with no cigarettes and then by the end of the second week, he wasn't even asking for one. And then he gets home and immediately smokes a fucking carton of cigarettes.
1: <sighs> because all the work to get off of them And then it, boom, there it is.
0: Because it's the availability. Because yeah. it's context. It's context. It's so interesting.
1: So there was a guy that you know, a couple of years ago was on the, the, the Joe Rogan show. And uh, you don't
0: have to whisper that shit. Have, uh, there, there's 10 percent <laughs> of the episodes are interesting. The rest of it's bullshit.
1: And uh, so he—I I forget exactly what his context was, but he was—he uh, had—he was an author that did studies into addiction, and they found that they would get as a test, they would get these rats, and they would have them. Yeah, the rats have yep. ability to give themselves doses of either heroin or methamphetamine, I, some kind of like ridiculously hard drug. Yeah. However, they would keep them in this. It was an opioid.
0: It was an opioid. They had. They, what opioid. it is okay. is they had two bottles of water. They yeah. had one thing of water that was regular water, and one was drugged.
1: And so they would had the ability to use as much drugs as they want. Right. However, the cage and the environment that they were in was incredibly bare. There was no stimulation. There was no physical uh, no physical toys for them to interact with or exercise on or anything. It was just a cage. However, they found out oh, – and in being in this context of this cage, the rats would inevitably drink themselves to death on yeah. opioid water. However, they found if you put the same rats – um, obviously, they don't kill themselves. But if you put rats into the same, uh, the same quandary, so to speak, where you can choose either opioid-laced water or regular water, that they would go to the regular water more often if you also provide stimulation.
0: Right. Um, they made rat park. Ch- they called yeah. it like they called it like Rat Park, where it was like there were there were uh obstacle courses and food and there were yeah. female rats so they could have sex and yeah. there were all these other like outlets for their attention and they just started to choose not to take the drug.
1: Because it doesn't matter at that point. You don't need the drug. You have so many yeah. other things that are stimulating you. And if I were to tell you right now, hey Picture in your mind when I say the word drug addict. Right. You know what I'm saying? But Picture that person. Picture their surroundings. Picture the environment that they put themselves in. I think we could all pretty much agree that we're thinking of a person who's dirty, unkempt, not taking care of themselves, probably in a very low-income situation if they're even housed. You know what I'm saying? Which is a lot so,
0: of stereotyping. Uh, say, but... Yeah,
1: but you say that person's addicted to drugs and now put them in, in – take them out of that situation, put them in a situation – not like the destroyed mental health um, situation in this country that Reagan, hi, thanks, thanks, Daddy Ronnie, has destroyed, but put them in an actual place where they can get some type of um, usefulness to their life. They can feel like they are sure. you know, contributing to society and give them a job and give them things like this, and it, you'll just kind of notice that the addiction kind of just
0: goes away. I just, w- just want to stress that, again, this is just a component of addiction, but it's a, it's a big component.
1: Yeah, component.
0: yeah, it's a big component. There's more than just than just that, but it's super interesting, especially you know. I consider, but of my, people
1: just say, "Oh, they're just a drug addict. Fuck them."
0: Well, and yeah. Then it's like, oh,
1: damn! Oh, I can't understand why there's so many homeless people and why crime is high and. In- uh, you know, it was really, really
0: what it was is yeah. it was this Billy Holiday's fault if.
1: Jesus a nice Christ. solid guy like Harry Anslinger. Harry Anslinger, ass, <laughs>
0: clean up the streets.
2: Well, on <laughs> that think, note, think... I hope you all don't get addicted to the Trilateral Troika podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going
1: to make that the intro. All right, hey, good night. For the, for, the for the outro. We got to play some Billie Holiday on the way out. So I'm going sure to find a way to fade her in right now. It's all it's all singing. still under
0: copyright. Can't do it. What? here we'll just we'll all sing autumn in new york she, it's my favorite she Billy didn't she song. didn't
2: die until 1959 i think so yeah no. um, so it's still under copyright because of right, it, we'll, well it's we'll because of
0: mickey X- mouse
2: We'll by singing strange
0: fruit ready guys no <laughs> <laughs> it's such a bad song it's so it's so brutal. All, right. Oh, all right peace out bye peace